Welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast with Jacob Ayers, providing actionable content to help you along your journey to financial freedom through real estate investing. As the premier asset class, real estate has helped ordinary people just like you amass fortunes. The benefits of passive income from real estate investing will allow you to live a life you want. And now your host, entrepreneur, real estate investor, and apartment deal syndicator, Jacob Ayers. Hi, and welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast, episode 180. Hi, I'm your host, Jacob Ayers. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. This week, our guest is Ross Stryker. Ross, after having served 12 years in the military and over 20 years running a successful private dental practice, realized that if he didn't alter his course, he'd be trading hours for dollars forever. It was this belief that led him to launch Smart Asset Opportunities. He's helped raise almost $100 million and owns 40-plus single-family homes, 14 ATMs, a coffee farm in Panama, apartment complexes, office parks, storage units, and ownership in a Belizean resort, Ross has truly done it all and is living proof that your money is better off of Wall Street and you can achieve financial freedom by following just some simple steps that we talk about here in this podcast. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. show, Mr. Ross Stryker. Ross, hey, thanks so much for joining us. Jacob, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here and hopefully I can bring some value to your listeners today. I'm sure you can. I have no doubt about that. Well, Ross, can you start off by just uh, telling us a little bit more about yourself, give a background of how you got started in the world of real estate investing and just kind of your journey up to this point? Yeah, Jacob, it's kind of serendipity. I'll call myself an accidental real estate investor in a way. I was in the field of dentistry for 35 years, and the last uh, 14 of which were as an orthodontist. I served in the military for 12 years, ended up in the state of Missouri, set up a private practice. And as I got into my middle, early 50s, middle 50s, I realized, boy, I had a great job. I loved what I was doing. I loved my profession. I loved my avocation, but I didn't see a way to replace that transactional W-2 income where I was exchanging my hours for dollars. And great paying job, loved what I was doing, but I really didn't have an exit strategy. And I think that's the same with most small business owners. They're looking at the sale of their business as being their retirement plan, and that's not working out for them. I know in the field of dentistry and medicine, it's not working out for them. There just isn't enough dollars in the sale to make that work. And it, and it works in a lot of other small businesses too, that same way. So I discovered um, group, became part of a mastermind group. I'm not part of that group anymore. I'm part of three other masterminds right now, but that's where I got introduced to the concept that you can't ride that Wall Street roller coaster into your 60s because we see what's happened in the last few weeks. And I know this is podcast supposed to be evergreen, but in the last few weeks, we have seen a massive roller coaster on the 
Wall Street casinos. And so you just can't live off of that kind of passive income. You've got to set up something that's a little more structured. So real estate investing has worked out very well for us. We've replaced our transactional income. I say we, it's my wife and I, with our passive income for investments. And now we want to help do the same for others to help them find that path too. Yeah, I love that. Well, like so many people, you know, you became an accidental landlord and I'm excited to dig into that story in just a minute. But first, I want to touch on something that you just mentioned and you mentioned exit strategies out of your career. And I think that's a really interesting way to phrase that. You know, most people think of retirement in a more traditional sense, work for 30 or 40 years. And your your path was to possibly sell your practice and that didn't look like it was shaping up so well. And I think it's an interesting take to uh, phrase it as an exit strategy, because that's really the way you have to look at it is what are you going to do next? How are you going to exit your earned income, right? Because like you said, you were going to have to earn an income until you couldn't anymore. And uh, yeah, I just think that's really interesting in perspective that you've got there. I had convinced myself, Jacob, that I loved my profession so much, which I did, but I had convinced myself that I loved it so much that I was just going to do it and die at the chair treating patients. And when I found there was another way, I suddenly had a revelation. Yes, I love my profession, but I don't love it that much. And the other thing is I wanted to stretch myself. I wanted to do other things. And you know, for me, helping other people get to that transaction, replacing that income with passive income, it's not about quitting your career. If you still enjoy running a hardware store, running a plumbing, and heating and air conditioning business or being a dentist or being a physician, that's fine. Keep doing that. But for so many people that get into their 50s, they're looking for something else. They're looking for a different challenge. They want to give back. Maybe they want to spend more time with their grandkids. Maybe they want to spend more time with their family. Maybe they want to travel more. Or maybe they want to go on mission trips. Or maybe they want to help some kind of charitable organization. They want that time. And for me, wealth is not measured in income now. It's measured in time. What are we doing that maximizes the time that we have left on this earth? Because money is not an issue for us anymore. It's how do I spend my time? And so for a lot of people that are our avatar, that's the same thing. They want to know, how am I going to spend the next 20 years of my life giving back? Yeah, sure. That's what it's all about is, you know, building that lifestyle and building a business around your lifestyle, right? So here you were earning a great income, but I'm sure you were very busy running your own private practice. And what's that income worth if you've got no time to spend it and do the things you want and spend the time with the people you want? So yeah, some things to think about there. And I know for the listeners, these sound like first world problems. You know, you've got <laughs> doctors making great incomes, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And I realize it is a first world problem, but it's still a problem. And to replace that income, the traditional way with Wall Street, which is you ride that roller coaster, but you get to the point where you're at the retirement age. And what do they then say? Well, then you've got to be more conservative because you can't ride that roller coaster. And so they're going to place you in things that maybe, depending upon the temper of the market, will be making three or four percent. Well, I'll tell you, most of the people I deal with to live the lifestyle they're accustomed to on three or four percent, they would have to have a stack of money pretty damn high, Jacob, and it just doesn't work. And so when you talk to them about returns of seven, eight, ten percent, now suddenly they realize, hey, I've got this, you know, and that's so satisfying to help people realize there's a different way, there's a different path. And I, I'm not criticizing necessarily people that sell those products or services because they have a job to do and I get that. But at some point, those services, those products don't serve my clients clientele well. Yeah, sure. Well, Ross, when you kind of turned this corner and decided you had to do something else, what was it about real estate that drew you to it? Why real estate? Why then? 
Well, frankly, it was not so much that I was drawn to it. It was that it was pointed out to me. I didn't know anything about real estate investing five years ago, Jacob. I didn't even think I could be in real estate investing. I know that sounds stupid to your listeners. Like, I didn't even know where to start. I wouldn't even know where the beginning point was. So for me, it was meeting up with people in a group setting that had my best interests in mind, people that I came to know, like, and trust, and working with them, mentoring me. There's a lot of people that will take advantage of you in any niche. And it's the same way in real estate too. You know, there's people out there that will take advantage of rich doctors, if I'm air quoting now here on a podcast, because they know they've got money and they probably don't have the skills to realize what's a good opportunity and what's not. So being part of that kind of a group was the starting point. And from that group, then I grew into other groups and now it's networking and meeting people and bringing people that I know, like, and trust now to my tribe of people that are investing with me. Yeah, sure. So what did that very first entry point into real estate look like for you? Was it a single family house? Was it yeah. a passive investment? I know you mentioned becoming an accidental landlord. So walk us yeah. through that. Actually, the first opportunities were lending opportunities. You know, whether you want to call it hard money lending, I, I really wouldn't call it that. But it was on financing flips, doing lendings, being part of syndications, but also taking title to single family homes, duplexes and fourplexes. Now, that's a great place to start. And I encourage people to start there because let's say that you're a busy physician and you know somebody that is in the real estate business that you you can help loan money and they've obviously experienced, you're not going to loan money to your brother-in-law who's doing it the first time, but more people that have been doing, you know, somebody that scaled this, somebody like the folks that we deal with, they're doing 300 opportunities a year. I mean, these people have it down and they've been through a downturn before. People that have been through 2008 that weathered that storm and made it through and found their way through the other side. So if you find people like that, lending opportunities are easy. Taking title is fine. Uh, We don't do single family homes anymore because I can't scale it for my group, but it was a good place to start because even the ones that didn't work out well, and we know some don't work out well, it's not fatal. It's just a minor bump in the road. You got one house that doesn't work out, but you got 20 others that did, you're going to be fine. So I encourage people to start small, but really going back further, I I really encourage them to start with educating themselves. I wouldn't run out and buy a house and rent it out before you start learning a little bit first. So getting educated first, meeting the right people, those are the keys. And then it's rarely about the house or the duplex or the fourplex or the apartment building. It's more about the people behind the opportunity. That's what makes it a good opportunity, not not the physical structure usually. Yeah, sure. And lending private money like for someone in your your uh, demographic or your career range is a great way to get started because you're able to kind of take a more passive role. Sure, you're going to vet the deal and vet the borrower of these properties. That's a great way to get started and kind of get your feet wet. So I'm sure that's what you did, it sounds like. And then it sounds like you kind of eventually took a little bit more of an active role. So you no, know, was the next phase of your real estate investing journey. But I will tell you, we still do a lot of lending deals just because they're so simple. And because I've created such a network of people that I trust them now so much, Jacob, I've done so many opportunities with them. I don't even need to vet the opportunity anymore. Now, I know that's not a good thing to say on this podcast because I would encourage <laughs> to always vet the opportunity. But when I've done an an opportunity with the same person 50 times and I've never had to foreclose on them or take possession of property, I can pretty much trust that that person is going to be easy to work with on the 51st opportunity, if you know what I mean. So we constantly have opportunities going. They're lending opportunities. And I don't want to get too sideways on this, but most of our self-directed IRA money is lending opportunities. Most of our personal money outside of IRAs is entitled opportunities. So now we've moved beyond the single family home duplex four 
fourplex thing or more commercial projects, whether it be multifamily, whether it be assisted living, commercial office buildings, or now we're focused a lot on self-storage facilities. Yeah, sure. So going back to this uh, point in your career, Ross, where you decided, hey, I want to really replace my active earned income with passive income. What kind of approach did you have? What kind of plan did you have? I know it happened relatively fast for you, but was that the plan or what was your mindset going into this real estate thing? Was it to supplement your income, replace it, have a retirement strategy? What was your idea there? The idea was to supplement it, but then replace it. And I encourage people to go to our website. We have a blueprint formula, if you will, that says, here's the asset you have now. Here's an expected return. What if you made 6%? What would that look like? And of course, for some people, telling them they can make 6% sounds like snake oil because they're used to saying that can't be safe. And then when you start talking about 8% or 10%, their eyes really get wide. But I would encourage them to do a little blueprint formula of where am I at now? What do I have for assets now? What's my income now outside of my exchanging my hours for dollars, so to speak? What do I need to do to bridge that gap? And that's a good starting point. And, you know, for most people that we deal with that are in their 50s, they may say, well, it may be too late for me to start. But wherever you are, that's where you have to start. I will tell you this, you're going to go get there a lot faster if you have help. And, and it doesn't have to be my help. I, I would encourage people to look at other, uh, some of the masterminds that I belong to. Just belong to those. I mean, just, just find somebody that can help mentor you because starting in real estate investing on your own or just reading a couple of books, it's not going to work. I mean, you can read all the books you want in the world, but you got to get out there and take action. And when you start putting that toe in the water to take action, you need real people helping you, somebody that you can bounce ideas off of. Yeah, sure. And a lot of the advice you're giving right now is kind of to that maybe middle career person who's, you know, wanting to diversify their portfolio, maybe get out of investing their money in Wall Street, which I know you're a big proponent of, and maybe we can get into that in a minute. But what about maybe somebody earlier in their career, maybe first time real estate investor, maybe somebody who's got a few properties under the belt? What kind of advice do you give to that person? Does it change? Walk us through maybe something like that. There are so many simple strategies for people that have absolutely zero money, but they have more time or more ambition, and maybe they can put more sweat equity into it. And I encourage them to go to some of the websites like Bigger Pockets and just learn some of the strategies of hacking a triplex or a duplex, and you live in one side and rent the other side out, or you work with somebody part-time and learn a little bit more. And gosh, all the stuff with Airbnb and vacation rentals by owners. I mean, I've got a lady that works for me that she doesn't own a house, she subleases it out to as an Airbnb. So she's got a master lease. That didn't cost her any money to buy that facility. She pays rent to the owner, then she leases it out. So she buys it by the case and sells the by the bottle, if you want to look at it that way. And <laughs> so there are just so many strategies, if you'll just look for help, that you don't have to have the money of most of the people that I deal. I mean, most of the folks that I help are credit investors who have the money to put $100,000 into an opportunity. But for those that don't have that kind of cash and feel hopeless, like I can't start. Oh my gosh, there are just so many ways now. And with the internet and being able to Facebook and relate to people, of course, obviously you have to be careful about SEC rules and what you're putting out there. But I'm just saying there just are a ton of opportunities now that weren't available even 10 or 15 years ago for people starting out. Yeah, sure. And you know, I think one of the common goals amongst real estate investors is to become financially free, replace their earned income with passive income. And it sounds great on paper and it's a lot of people's goals, but people have trouble putting that plan into action. So what are some advice that you would give to somebody like that that's looking to replace that active income with some passive income and kind of find, you know, how much they need and what they have to do step by step to get there? 
Yeah. And, you know, so many people start out where they have to start out. And that is if they're going to start out in real estate investing, what is a typical thing? Maybe wholesaling or maybe flipping, but they get stuck in that. And that's just another job. I mean, if you're a house flipper, you flip that house. Well, tomorrow, if you don't have another house to flip, there's no money coming in. So that's transactional income. So replacing it with passive income is maybe you are a wholesaler, maybe you're a flipper, but every fifth house you keep for your own in your own portfolio as a rental, or maybe every 10th or whatever the numbers make sense, you've got to sit down and look at the numbers. But at some point, if you do that, then you're building your own portfolio. And before you know it, you've replaced that income that you needed to make each day flipping or wholesaling. So that's just one example. But it really starts with knowing what it is your number is. And I hate that term because that's a Wall Street type term. Okay, you know, you got to have this $5 million bucket of money. You don't have to have $5 million to live. You know that as a real estate investor, the returns that you can make if you're just a little bit active. If you just put a little bit of effort into, you don't have to be totally active. It doesn't have to be a job. But if you're just a little bit active in the real estate business, you and I both know that double digit returns are not that hard to make. Okay. And when you do that, when people are living off of, let's say their income is five or six or $7,000 a month, you can do that in a pretty short amount of time within a few years. And so if you've got somebody in their early 20s starting out, my God, by the time they're 30 or 30-ish, they can be financially free and then they can live the life that they want to live, not the life that they have to live because they have to show up and work for somebody else at a W-2 job. Yeah, sure. And I think so many people don't even realize that's an option. And once you kind of get involved in real estate and that light bulb goes off, you realize this is very possible. And it just takes, you know, step by step to get there. Now, sometimes it can seem like, you know, that point in your life is so far away, and it's so hard to get there. But like you're saying, you know, just building up that rental portfolio and that passive income one by one, eventually you will get there. So I think, uh, you know, another thing to mention is, you know, people in across all demographics, the default is to put your money in Wall Street, invest in your employer, 401k or through IRAs and things. And you kind of have a different approach. Obviously, you're on a real estate investing podcast. And that's not so much the uh, approach we're taking here. So why is it important for people to move their money out of Wall Street and into real estate investing in your opinion? Well, I fail to see how somebody would not see that eventually you need to move your money out of real estate or out of Wall Street. Because let's just say best case scenario that what they're pitching on Wall Street is true. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that some of it is true. Okay. I don't believe their numbers that, oh, well, over time, you're going to make 10% over a 40-year period. Let's just say that maybe over a 40-year period, minus all the commissions and fees, that maybe you can make a 6% return. Okay. I don't believe that because there are studies that show that the the average investor on Wall Street doesn't do that well by far, but let's just say that's possible, okay? But then you get to age 55 or 60, and now you want a steady stream of income. Is Wall Street going to say, oh, well, uh, Jacob, you're 60 now, so you need us to make sure that the casino doesn't go down next year, that it always goes up. Yeah, no, right. <laughs> it's, it's going to do what it's been doing lately. It's going to be a roller coaster. So you've got to have something that is not riding that roller coaster at some point. So my feeling is if you can't rely on it now, I don't even know. Well, the other thing I don't like about Wall Street, other than the fact that at some point you have to get your money out of it, you have a steady stream is I can't control it. I can't control what happens on Wall Street. I can't control the shenanigans that are going on. I can't control the management and the businesses, you know, and Wells Fargo doing all the crazy shit that they're doing. Pardon my friend. 
French and, <laughs> and heatedly doing those things and still in business. Okay. And so you can't tell me that if there's something, look, with real estate, I like the fact that I can control it. All right. Here's the flip side to that argument. Somebody will say, all right, you've got these rental properties and we're going to have another 2008 and the values of those properties are going to go down 20 to 25%. Isn't that going to hurt you? I'm like, no, because I'm not selling then. I'm still renting them and my rents probably stayed steady. Maybe I had to make a little adjustment in the rent rates during that time. But normally during a downturn like that, that's the time you're buying. You're not selling, you're buying things. So I like the fact that I can control my destiny instead of somebody outside of my hands controlling what's going to happen to me. So I encourage people to look at both sides. As Robert Kiyosaki says, there's three sides to every coin. There's heads, there's tails, and there's the edge. And so look at Wall Street, but I would also look at the opportunity that's available to you in real estate to control your own destiny. Yeah, sure. I love that. Well, what are some mistakes you see people making in their own investing journey, whether that's in Wall Street or in real estate? Are there common mistakes you see across the board or common themes people are doing that you uh, have different advice for? I've had to pick one thing, it's doing it yourself. I mean, I will point back at my profession, which was dentistry, and dentists are notorious for thinking they can learn about everything and do everything themselves, very independent thinkers, and they got to get over that. You have to meet people that are knowledgeable in the field and not just knowledgeable, but again, it gets back to this trust factor. And I find that a lot of that comes from joining mastermind groups or networking groups because there's protection in those groups. And I say that because if somebody doesn't have the best interests of their investors or the people people they're doing work with at heart, they'll quickly be kicked out of that tribe. They won't belong to that tribe for very long. So I think finding people that you can work with is huge. And you know, in Wall Street, if insider information gets you thrown in jail, but in real estate, insider information is where the value is created. That's where mm -hmm. money is made. Finding those insider information deals that, for example, the so-called pocket listings, if you will, finding opportunities that don't even make it to the market. And uh, that's the biggest mistake people make is not as thinking they can do it themselves. Yeah, sure. So with that, let's kind of expand on this whole mastermind approach that you're a proponent of. You've obviously are a part of several masterminds and that's how you got your start. So talk about the importance of those, what value you get from those and how maybe somebody can find their very first mastermind, what to look for and what to expect out of one. I found mine by accident. Uh, it's a group that's still in existence. I don't belong to it anymore, not because it's not a great place to start. It just wasn't a great place for me to continue with. And I had other things that I wanted to do. I guess I could say I graduated from that group although that's not true. They still do a lot of amazing things. But in my case, it was specific to my vocation. It was a group of dentists founded by a dentist who used to be a dentist, but he didn't, hasn't done it for years because euphemistically saying that he woke up one day and realized that 80% of his net worth was from real estate investing, but he had only been spending 20% of his time on real estate investing. He was yeah. spending all this time doing his W-2 transactional income, working on patients, the chair, something he loved, but he really wasn't building up any net worth from that profession. And so the light bulb went off and said, if this works for me, it will work for others. And to his credit, he started a group. And so that group was great for me. Other groups that we're part of are the real estate guys with Robert Helms and Russell Gray. George Antone has a mentoring group. George's out in the San Jose area. And now I'm part of a self-storage group that's just specific to the self-storage industry. So could I learn everything about self-storage after my background in other real estate assets? Of course. But it would take me five years. Instead, I just assumed 
and be part of a group. And within months, I have the same amount of knowledge that I would have accumulated over several years, but now I don't have to make the same mistakes that they made. I can just learn from their mistakes. So those groups come with a cost. You know, there's not just the dollar amount, but there's a time spent. But for me, again, it's connections. It's all about connections. The connections that I make lead to great opportunities. Yeah, sure. And so for you, it kind of goes down to, you know, surrounding yourself with like-minded people, people who are doing what it is you want to do, and people who you have shared common visions and goals and things of that nature with, right? Yes. And going further, we have each other's backs. Again, the masterminds that I'm part of, if I'm not taking care of other members of that group, I won't be part of that group. And not only that, with social media and everything else, that will quickly be ferreted out as being somebody that nobody else out there wants to do business with. So the old saying is it takes a lifetime to make a reputation, but only a few seconds to destroy it. And that is so true. And in this business, the word will get out very quickly. So you got to find people that you know have your best interests at heart. Yeah, sure. Like everything else, it's a give and take, right? So you don't go into these masterminds just with the idea of, you know, taking knowledge from them. You have to give something back and provide value where you can. So. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're right. I mean, it's like a marriage. You have to be a participant. You can't just sit and soak up people's information and walk out of the room. You have to share. And so you're expected to share. I mean, the mastermind I'll be going to in a week, I'm expected to do a presentation. I'm expected to show what I'm working on, be held accountable and bring that kind of information to the group on what has been working for me. I'm probably on the phone with somebody every day where I'm sharing an idea. I found a property in Texas that's not in my niche. It's not right for me. Me, but I know somebody in my group that it's exactly in their wheelhouse. So I was emailing them the offering memorandum and saying, hey, Tom, I think this is one that fits you. Let's talk about it. And so tomorrow we're going to be talking about that one on the phone and see if that's an opportunity for him. He'll do the same for me. So we're helping each other get there. You know, the old saying is I can go faster alone, but I can get further together. So let's work together to get further. Yeah, I love that. And that's kind of what you've built your whole real estate investing journey on is going together further. And you've been able to do that by raising money from other people, helping people invest their money. So kind of talk about that piece of partnering with people rather than doing it all alone. You've kind of turned that corner from your dentistry practice, you know, of you know, that mindset of doing it all alone, running your own practice to now it's more of a team sport and in this investing world with you. So elaborate on that topic, if you will. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the subject of teams because in my previous life as an orthodontist, it was about a team. I had 24 people working for me. So you create a team and you can bring more value to, in that case, our patients because, you know, I could have done all that on my own, but I would have only treated like two patients a day with a team of 24 people. I could treat one expanding group of patients. And same thing with creating a team here. I have my inner team, my team of people that I work with every day, but I also have teams, different teams. For example, the project that we're working on now in Alabama, I've created a team of people who are the experts on developing that project, local engineers, local architects, local contractors, people that are in the storage business management folks that are going to manage this property. So it's about creating teams. Then you have a network of investors and you create that network. And so, yeah, at some point you outgrow the money that you have personally doesn't allow you to continue to do opportunities. We all know that it's all about finding opportunities and finding capital to put with those opportunities. But going further, my vision is to say, hey, look, I want to help these people find a way to create that income. And so if I'm going to do that, I've got to find an opportunity that lends itself well to that investor's vision. For example, the one that we're doing now is going to be what I'll call a delayed gratification because it's going to be a ground up construction. It's going to be a lease up. So for somebody that needs cash flow now, I'll say, this isn't right for you. Don't invest in it. 
business. But for somebody that's maybe 45 years old and they're not going to sell their practice for a few years, this is a perfect opportunity for them because they can build their net worth. And then at the five or six or seven year exit, whichever it might be on this property, then we can just roll it into something else and do it again. And maybe by then they'll have enough knowledge that they can say, I don't need you, Ross. I'm going to go out and do my own opportunity. (laughs) You hope so, right? That would be wonderful because I want people, it's like even people that work with me every day. I tell them, I want to know your freedom plan. I don't want you working for me. I want you looking each day at how am I going to get free? How am I going to get free from this W-2? Because if we really believe in that principle, then the people that are working for us every day shouldn't have a W-2 mindset. They should have a freedom mindset. What am I going to do to get free? So we talk about that with our team, our inner team, if you will, about what are you doing? What are you investing in to get yourself free from this job. But nothing would make me happier than for somebody to come up and tell me, I don't need this job. I've replaced my income. I'm going to go off and do my own thing. Wonderful for you. That's great. Yeah, I love it. And that's what it's all about is, you know, kind of for you, it's smart asset opportunities, which we talked a little bit about the show and the name origination. We'll let you elaborate on that in a minute. That's what it's all about for you there, smart asset opportunities, just to kind of give people this knowledge and this power to go out and build these passive income streams themselves and achieve financial freedom and be able to replace their earned income with passive income income so that they can live the life they want. And uh, yeah, you're doing so with both your investor network and your employees alike. So really good stuff there. Yeah, you alluded to smart assets. So I'll just uh, interject there that, yeah, as I was transitioning away from my profession, we trying to come up with a name. And, you know, the fact is, Jacob, I am a bit of a smart ass. So smart asset opportunities just seem to fit pretty well. So, but I try not to be too much of a smart ass because when you're handling people's money, you do have to have some professional uh, decorum. So, but between you and me, if we're having a beer at the bar later in the evening, I'll be a bit of a smart ass. I'll just put it that way. Yeah, sure. And you are the CEO of this organization, right? So, I have to be as smart alecky as anybody can be if I'm going to be the CEO of Smart Asset. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Well, Ross, it's really interesting to see your perspective on real estate investing. See how you turned that corner later in your career from being an orthodontist to now a full-time real estate investor and just kind of see your journey and your take on things. So I think it provides a lot of value to the listeners out there, whether they're early in their career, mid or late in their careers. I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned from you know yourself and your path. So you know, really appreciate you coming on and kind of sharing sharing your story. Now, as we're wrapping up here, we've got a lightning round. We ask every one of our guests, are you up for it? I'm ready. Fire away, buddy. All right. Well, the first question is, what was your biggest hurdle getting started investing in real estate? And then what did you do to overcome that? Well, it goes back to what we said earlier. It was just finding out that I really could do it. I literally, stupidly, just thought that was something for other people to do. And just knowing that I could get involved in it and then being able to take action, that was the biggest hurdle for me. Yeah. So just kind of that mindset, really. The mindset, yeah. Yeah. Well, Ross, do you have a personal habit that contributes to your success? I think being intentional about planning your day. I like to exercise at the beginning of the day. I just feel better. I feel like I've got more energy the rest of the day if I do that. I think people that start their day with a plan are going to be more successful. So, I mean, my observation is whether you get up in the morning and you pray or meditate or read the Bible or exercise, as long as you've got some structure to your day. Because look, for me, when you transition from the W-2 thing, look, I could do anything I want. I could be working on a beach from a laptop and be just goofing off or with a metal detector. There's no structure once you get out of that structure that a job provides. You. So if you're going to be successful as an entrepreneur, you have to create some kind of structure, intentionality to your day. Yeah, definitely. Love that. Well, do you have an online resource that you find valuable in your day to day? 
we transition through so many different things. Obviously, you and I are doing this on Zoom right now. That's become huge for us in the last year. Websites that we look for properties come and go. I would say technology-wise, the biggest thing for me that's made the biggest difference, and I'm not trying to pad your ego here, is listening to podcasts. And I'm being serious about that because I have made so many great contacts by listening to podcasts and then reaching out to that guest that was on that podcast. And one connection there has led to other connections, has led to other connections. And like the ripple in the pond, listening to podcasts has been a huge advancement for me. Yeah, it's great. It really does speed up the learning curve. And I mean, you can really find very niche topics. I mean, if you want to find a Harry Potter podcast out there, I know for a fact there are dozens of those, right? So I mean, whatever you want to find out there, there's a podcast about it. And like you say, you know, you can make really great personal connections by following up with that guest, introducing yourself, like, you know, maybe the audience members should with this one. So if you're listening yep. to this, feel free to reach out to Ross after this. If you know, something he says rings true, you never know what happens from that. So yeah, great uh, recommendation there. Well, Ross, what book would you recommend to the listeners and why? Wow, there's so many. The one that I like lately is uh, Dave Van Horn's book on note investing. Dave's a contributor of Bigger Pockets and a brilliant guy. And um, his book on note investing is written so even the common person like me can understand note investing. So I, I, that's one I would recommend. But there's, if you saw the books right now that are on my backlog, I listen to more books than I read. Unfortunately, Dave didn't record that one, so I, have to, I had to read that one. But um, <laughs> I listen to more books than, than I read. But there's just so many out there, right? now. And say, but Dave's a good book. That's a good book. Yeah, sure. So that's, I think it is called the book on note investing by Dave yeah. Van Horn, right? Yeah. Real estate. Note investing. Awesome. Yeah. We'll link that book yeah. in the show notes for our audience members Great. To pick up if they're interested in that one. And last question in our lightning round, Ross, if you were to give advice to your 20 year old self to get started investing in real estate, what would that advice be? Well, first of all, it's really the same advice that I give to even somebody that's not 20 years old is invest in yourself. And I know it's cliche, but you do have to learn some things first. You have to learn some basic terminology just to feel comfortable in the whole niche. But at some point, you've got to take action. You can read 50 books. I'll get people calling, well, I've read 50 books and I listen to this and I'm like, well, have you actually bought anything? And they're like, no. And so the 20-year-old may not be able to buy something, but they may be able to use some of the other strategies that we talked about earlier. So invest in yourself learn, but then get out there and don't be afraid to make mistakes because you know what? You're going to make mistakes. It's inevitable. And then what the best thing that can happen to you is to make some mistakes because then you'll learn from those mistakes. But I find that so many of the people that I deal with, they're so smart and they, they're afraid to make a simple mistake. Don't be afraid to make a mistake. Get out there and make some, make them fast, make them fast as you can. Yeah, right. Fell fast, fell forward. That's what it's all yep. about. You're going to make mistakes. Just be prepared for those. Embrace yep. them. And like you say, they're learning lessons. So yeah, get out there yep. and take action. I think it's great advice. Well, Ross, this is a lot of what you preach over at Smart Asset Opportunities, your business. So tell us a little bit about what people can expect if they go visit that site, what you're doing there, and just kind of introduce that to us. Yeah, it's called smartassetopportunities.com and you can go to our website. I encourage people to do that before they reach out to me because just see if we're a good fit. Read some of my previous blogs, see if it resonates with you. And then if it does, then there's some contact information. We also have a way to link on there and get the uh, blueprint that I spoke of earlier to kind of do your numbers. And then if somebody comes to us through your um, podcast and listens to this and says, you know, they came, we'll give them a copy of my book about called Why Not Financial Freedom, which is a compilation 
collection of stories from different investors who are very much like me, who transitioned from W-2 income to passive income and how they did it. And so uh, that's the best way to start with our website. Just get familiar with us and see if we're a good fit. Yeah, sure. So that's smartassetopportunities.com. Go there, yep. check it out. Tons of blog posts, some free resources, that blueprint we were talking about. And from there, if you've got any more information or want any more information or want to reach out to Ross, feel free to do so from there. Well, Ross, hey, it's been a lot of fun having you on the podcast. As we're wrapping up here, do you have any parting piece of advice or guidance for the audience members today? You know, I would just tell them, don't be afraid to take action. I know for people who are not started yet, they feel like this is something for somebody else and work with somebody else at first. And then you'll get that comfort level, whether it's me or anybody else. I really don't care who you work with. It's just work with somebody that you know you can trust and listening to podcasts like Jacob's, you're going to meet people. You're going to get people on that podcast that you can reach out to. So just use those resources. There's so many resources available today that for somebody starting a few years ago, weren't there. Yeah, sure. Well, Ross, hey, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been a lot of fun. Look forward to having you back on in the future. All right. Thank you, Jacob. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ross. Take care. All right. That wraps up this week's episode with our guest, Ross Stryker. To learn more about Ross and what he's doing, you can find more at www.smart.com assetopportunities.com. That link is in the show notes. And of course, for more information and resources, you can visit www.jacobayers.com. Till next week, engineer the lifestyle you want. You've been listening to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast, providing you actionable content to build your real estate empire. Nothing on this show should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for personal advice. The opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have a potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom, LLC, exclusively.